Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it burns you. I'm John, and joining me as always is the Kurt Caesar and Ice Titan to my Sephiroth. Alright, so I have to be the one that you just have to deflect. It's up to you. <laughs> oh, I'm J- anyways, I'm Jared. And I'm Matt. I don't know, Kurt Zisa is a pretty cool name, though. Uh, from what I understand, it's just some guy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> we'll get to that. We will get to that. Okay, so today we are talking about the final part of Kingdom Hearts 1, which, oh boy, it only took us eight episodes to get here, guys. Maybe this won't be so long. <laughs> yeah, how long is this game compared Dangerous to Dangerous last words. <laughs> So I would say that honestly, this is probably the shortest of the oh, main, the main console games. I would I don't know if I would say it's the shortest, but it's the least dense. Yeah, but the portable games are a little bit shorter usually, though it depends. I think mm. I think Birth by Sleep is probably the longest if you include all the extra content. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've actually done the extra content in that. Maybe I'll have to this time, but that's a ways off. Fittingly, to start the end of the game, we're going to enter the world. That's just what it's called, right? End of the world? Yep, yep. that's what the title screen comes up. The dialogue suggests this is the world that the Heartless make with all the broken rubble of the world kind of just falls together like it's a black hole acclimation disc or something. To get there, first of all, though, we have to go through a one final gummy ship sequence from Hollow Bastion to it, and it's probably the only one that's really worth talking about because it's actually kind of interesting. In oh, terms it's almost of, interesting. They they cut into this really dramatic new version of the theme. Mm-hmm. And it's actually longer normal. And it's, it's luckily not too brutal in difficulty, but it's still gummy ship. Yeah, it's a it's a spike up in difficulty for the gummy ship. So hopefully you've just been bolting every single gun that you've received onto your base gummy ship and you're just able to blast through. I think that's what I usually do anyway. I made a square of guns. I made a joke once. <laughs> so once we finally reach this strange mystic world, which almost appears in the background rather than being its own little sprite, you start in this small cave where Sora, Donald, and Goofy are just talking about how, yes, this is what's left of the world's taken. Mm-hmm. The world's will be restored if we be handsome. But then what happens to this place? And our dumbass is sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> this first room is a really weird bright void. Like, there's nothing here, but there's a lot of light. And there's a few, like, tiny platforms. There's some treasure chests around and falling meteors, as I recall. I mean, you're actually underselling a bit. You look like you're standing on water, and I think it actually reflects under you. It's, like, completely still, solid water, and everything's just this purplish pink. Like, mm-hmm. du- it looks like dusk. Mm-hmm. There's there's rocks to get from place to place, big I, meteors are a good word, but kind of like big white orbs falling mm-hmm. every so often with right. crashes. It's sort of a mini chaos maze because you can't actually see what the walls are, and there's. Uh, but you can also just pick a pick a rock, find another rock, try and walk towards it, and you usually will just get through it pretty quickly, unless you get hit by a meteor and have to fight some monsters. It's sort of a connected dots, just there's invisible walls from all other directions, so it's kind of just rubbing against the background so you figure out where to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's and there's this is the first time it's felt like an RPG. We got random encounters. There's something that feels like random encounters anyway. When you get touched by one of the orbs, you get teleported to this battle arena thing where you're going to be fighting several different kinds of Heartless. And we got there. We got probably some of the last new ones we're going to discuss in this version of the game, other than Mm -hmm. bonuses. Mm -hmm. The first one that we have to meet in this area is the Invisible. Which is this very visible, large, (laughs) it looks like a souped-up humanoid shadow with a giant fuck-off sword. Yep. 
Yeah, um, I think they can turn invisible and teleport around, which is why they're called invisibles. Everything vanishes but the sword, and the sword whips through the air, and then they'll reappear where it is. Yep, you can't attack them while they're invisible, but uh, when the invisible becomes visible, you can attack the invisible. Yes, and believe me, they're they're nasty. They're kind of tough. Yeah, I usually don't like monsters that do delay of game sort mm-hmm. of things, like turn invisible and mm-hmm. reappear or whatever. I mean, a lot of Heartless kind of do that. I mean, heck, even the shadows do that. Frankly, to me, a problem with uh, Invisible is that they'll gang up on you. Like, they'll, like there's four or five in the room. They'll all start zeroing in on you, and they, and they have big melee attacks. So they're mm-hmm. brutal. Basically, they're the ultimate melee Heartless. As I, I think the, even the description in game of them is the ultimate melee Heartless or something like that. Something of that sort, as yeah. I recall. Mm-hmm. And to join them is the ultimate magic Heartless, the Angel Star. And what we have here is you got what looks like, you could see it as sort of the the crazy final version of those Bell Heartless. It has sort of a conical body like them mm-hmm. uh, with a with a sort of capped head, but the head is this big white swirl, and the body has like this ring structure underneath, which looks like an old-style, I say an old-style ray gun almost, that has these four angel wings from orbs sitting behind it. I really like this sort of design more mm-hmm. or less. It is, what if Disney did a biblical angel? Not enough eyes, I'd argue, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to love biblical angel-type aesthetics. Mm-hmm. It's pretty spooky. And they can become invulnerable by wrapping the rings on themselves or or blast you with long-range attacks. So mm-hmm. if, if, if them and the invisible start sinking their attacks by the AI, it gets pretty awful. And the third kind of heartless you can encounter in this area are arch behemoths, which just look the exact same as our big cuddly behemoth friend that we fought before coming here. I think there's really only one of him. I, I don't remember uh, how. I think I fought more than one. I don't remember. Well, he's a he's a palette swap, anyways. Yeah, I'm really not sure it's trying to. So he's one of two palette swaps of the behemoth you run into, mm-hmm. and it's really I think he has less hit points than the boss, but like hits a little harder, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. a more dramatic fight. All the same, it's still just as easy, weirdly easy for a behemoth. As we progress through the final areas, uh, there's this one long area that we have to progressively move down. Like into, uh, I, they call it like a giant crevasse. Yeah. It's like the, the world is cracked into this like, uh, this this canyon filled with spiky webs and crystals everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so as you go further and further down, you eventually reach what's called World Terminus. Yes, you get into this tight little cave with a flaming pillar that you have to jump into, and then you into this into this long tiled set of hallways, like they appear to be like having windows out into the void. Mm-hmm. It really does give the sense of emptiness as something terrible, as opposed to just nothing. Mm-hmm. World terminus is just another way to say end of the world. There's a bunch of circular rooms. At the center of each one is a teleporter. You take that teleporter, and it takes you to one of the worlds you visited already. Kind of like a little arena based on it. It's like, what if the Mega Man boss rush was just you go to the world and fight a bunch of Heartless rather than fight a boss? Like, it's it feels like they almost might have had a boss rush in mind here, but they decided not to, which, thank you, I don't want to do that. I kind of like the theme, the theme and aesthetic, though, of, you know, basically this is where these worlds are being brought to come to an end. Yeah, yeah. Destroyed in a black hole sort of reality. And, act, and the Crescent dish for that is really just the main thing I think of. Like, the perhaps you could imagine the, that void up top as the event horizon, just the pieces sticking out and mm-hmm. falling into it. I think you can even wander into a world terminus for the 100-acre wood, which is kind of weird. Do you actually fight anything there? I don't think you fight anything there. I think it's a safe point. So finally, once you get through all of them, you, you get into this weird computer room. And once you're there, you're given... It gives you like a, just this message out of nowhere. It definitely the tone and sound of White Claw Prophecy. Ones born of the heart in darkness, the void of hearts, ravage all worlds and bring desolation. 
seize all hearts and consummate the great heart. All hearts to be one, one heart to encompass all. Realize the destiny, the realm of kingdom hearts, the great darkness sealed within the great heart. Progeny of darkness, come back to the eternal darkness, for the heart of light shall unseal the path. Seven hearts, one keyhole, one key to the door, the door of darkness, tied by two keys, the door of darkness, to seal the light. None shall pass but shadows, returning to the darkness. One's born of the heart in darkness, hunger for every heart until the dark door opens. That's some spooky shit. To go back to my old nerdiness, it's almost in the cadence of some Lord of the Rings level dark poetry. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's very, very kind of biblical prophecy sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. So my only question is, whose message is that? Is it is it not uh, Ansem's MySpace page? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know the game is old, but you have to date yourself that way, man. I mean, it's contemporary to MySpace, isn't it? Uh, I can't even remember. I do believe this is a record of Ansem's thoughts. It's it's some kind of information about what Kingdom Hearts is and how to use it. And based on what we do here from in a short time here, it definitely is what he's drawing his conclusions from, is information like this. So if it's not his MySpace page, it's someone else's MySpace page that he's re... You don't retweet MySpace pages. I don't know what the right word was. I don't remember MySpace. Share. Share. Reblog. Reblog. Isn't reblogging more a Tumblr thing? Put GIFs and music on it? I don't know. Yeah, okay. It's the GIF and music that he's put looping on his MySpace page. So we all sound 100 years old now. Are you sure you want to keep this part? Yes. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe in editing it will get cut. But We could, we could go to GeoCities pages instead. Ah, no, that's way too old. We can have the rotating animated skull GIF on the GeoCities page. Oh, no. So, of course, once you read the message, we find a bunch more Heartless, and then there's a new a new place to enter. Yep. And where do we go? What do we find behind that entrance? A dark, swirling void. Yay! Oh, no! But what's in it? It's a big mountain, I think it is? Oh, it's a big mountain. I would even call it Bald Mountain. Bald Mountain? That sounds like something out of Fantasia. Are we, like, selling something at a town fair or something? I don't know, Jared. Are we selling something at a town fair? Christ. <laughs> But yeah, so what we're going to fight here is we're fighting the creature that in current official Disney text is called Chernabog, Dark God. When did it get that name? I don't I remember that it was just the devil in the original Fantasia, right? Oh, without a doubt. They never call I mean, we're talking apocalyptic imagery to an incredibly dark song of it summoning spirits, manipulating demons and casting them into the fire. Mm-hmm. It's literally just Satan. Yep. I'd have to struggle to think about when that name actually got put there into it. But, I mean, we're talking Fantasia. Believe me, I love Fantasia. I mean, Fantasia rules. Is. I mean, Night of All Mountain is just one of the memorable pieces you wouldn't believe. It's such a simple craziness. I mean, one third of it is watching still images being pulled across a graveyard, but still. Hmm. I mean, you got, you got Mickey himself and the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which will have... It will have echoes into Kingdom Hearts, I assure you that. Mm-hmm. So I have one piece of Fantasia trivia that I like. Fantasia is why we have anime. You're going to have to give me some details there. Osamu Tezuka, who is considered the Japanese Walt Disney and the father of manga and therefore anime, was inspired to do his original works after when he saw a showing of Fantasia. His art style is sort of a Japanese woodblock take on the Disney style. And the funny thing about that, though, is Osamu Tezuka had a way broader vision of what 
animation could be than Disney did, which is why Osama Tezuka basically invented every single genre of anime that we have. It's it's really interesting because I, I guess we're going to digress into an Osamu Tezuka. We could be mm. we could be an Osamu Tezuka podcast for about five minutes. Let's not go longer <laughs> than that. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy a lot of Tezuka Osama's works because he it it looks deceptively simple and kiddy, but then when you get down to it and read a lot of the works, even things like Astro Boy are have a lot of really surprisingly adult themes to them. And I like things like Phoenix and other things like that as well in his portfolio. As much as I like that little piece of trivia, I actually have not uh, read or watched any uh, much of anything from Osama Tezuka. So I actually, that's a hole in my anime knowledge that I need to fill. But I do know at least that that one history point is there. We can get back, we can go a little bit back into the other game here because it's, there's some indication that Chernabog might have originally been the final boss. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. Like, they've auctioned, sold to different people, like, old design documents in which character Ansem and all Final Fantasy, it's long before it ever existed, at the point that Howl Bastion was Howl Keep. Mm-hmm. And in that, there's a really striking art of Sora down Goofy fighting Chernabog as he bursts out of the castle. And it seems to be like the castle of the last keyhole. So he would have been the embodiment of darkness to come from the from Kingdom Hearts itself. Oh boy. But so here's we got this fight. We're flying again, like we're hovering the void. Mm-hmm. And of course, in the American version of Final Mix, like the original Japanese, they actually thought to make a mix of Night of Bald Mountain itself. Mm-hmm. So you know what's happening even before he unfurls himself from that peak. <laughs> Provided you've seen Fantasia. If you haven't, I don't know if I want to talk to you. The Chernobog fight itself is actually quite fun as well. I would say it's pretty easy, actually. It's kind of the update to what the Urso fight is, because you're moving in three three dimensions again. You're fighting this massive being in the middle of the arena with a lot of long-range blasts. Mm-hmm. And you can get behind him and attack him in the neck, just like you could with Ursula. But it's a lot easier because glide is easier to navigate than swim. I think he doesn't turn as fast either, but but yeah, with the better glide mechanics, which allow you like easier ascend and descend and just sort of basic movements mm-hmm. you base it's a lot easier just kind of you can kind of treat it as like space dodging rather than any sort of like swimming momentums mm-hmm. i would say he's pretty easy for a late game boss fight but also in a lot of jrpgs you kind of don't want to have your end game bosses be that hard because at that point you've already been playing a game for a very long time and you just want to see the end you usually want to have the hard bosses in a different place which we'll get to in a moment but first, so when you beat Chernobog, Glide upgrades to Super Glide, which, yay, a final thing to get. Basically, now you can zip around at two different speeds when you can't directly fly, and that really helps you get out of the way of stuff because it's much faster than you run. Mm-hmm. It is, Super Glide is the best way to get around everywhere, and it'll be very useful in the next thing that I'm going to be doing. But we'll talk about that after a little bit more dungeon crawling. <laughs> so once Chernobog's gone, he leaves a hole in the mountain. Like, he doesn't just turn back to stone, it just the whole top disappears. Mm-hmm. And you can fly into it where there's sort of gradients of uh, platforms leading down. But you're mostly just hovering anyways. What are the rooms that we go through uh, on the way to what is called Final Rest? We're kind of in the last phase here. We go through a few rooms that are just kind of multicolored rock with a couple, like, look like structures fused into it. And they do vaguely seem like they're Disney references, but at this point, it's almost like everything's just kind of coalescing into mm-hmm. nothingness. Then finally, after a few of those rooms and, and portals, you end up in this big multicolored space, almost like we're back in the uh, darkness hole from uh, from Howl Bastion. Don't those rooms kind of resemble stuff from 
some of the Disney worlds that we didn't get a chance to go to this game? He, okay, here's what you got. You do got a lot of small things here. You got thorns that look like those stowaway forests. You got like pieces of house of that, which definitely I could see as being part of Disney, but a lot of them are really vague imagery. Like here's some okay. buildings that are shrunk and crumbled down. And the thorns everywhere give an eerie look there. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I feel like you're seeing like this is the end of the world. This is all that's left of them at this point. Okay, basically, it's like you put a bunch of worlds in a trash compactor and this is what you see going through it. Yeah, like you got you got weird multicolored rock walls with stuff kind of sticking out of them or just painted on them. It really just feels like that's what's left. Right. Like you're burrowing to the bottom now. Right. Like everything is super compressed, maybe almost like going into a black hole, that kind of thing. Yes. And then we get out into this large cave room with a, glo- a sickly glowing green floor and a behemoth steps on you. Yay. More behemoths. Let's kill them and hug them. I feel like this one has a different name, but he's gonna, you're going to do the same thing to him anyways. Yeah. There's nothing different about any of the new behemoths apart from the old behemoth. And to give this to give this room, it's a little dramatics. On one end, there's a portal with the with the heartless emblem more or less over it. And as you defeat the behemoth, a piece of it falls off, showing a portal behind it. And then you start have fighting through waves of the final types of heartless with the portal slowly crumbles open. It's just the final trash pole of the game is essentially what we're looking at. I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once you get here, you're mostly done with non-boss combat, I think. Right. In the main storyline, yes. In the main storyline, yes. You beat Behemoth and his drinking buddies, and <laughs> the portal opens, and you find yourself in a cozy little cave. Yep, with a save point and a cool-looking door. The door looks very much like the doors from the Dive to the Heart, like those tall, like ornate wooden doors. Mm-hmm. I think There's this even, one's painted white. Yes. And what we have here, this is final rest. This is the point of no return. Mm-hmm. Which means it's time to wrap up side quests. Everyone's favorite yes. part. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is what I've been waiting to talk about. Yeah, I have to admit that I don't think I did all of these side quests in Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. I gave up early. Oh, yeah. You would not be faulted for doing so, because apart from getting a few Ansem reports from some optional bosses, everything that I'm about to describe is going to sound pretty frustrating. (laughs) So first, let's talk about how we're going to prepare for endgame stuff, by which I mean synthesis. Crafting mechanics. Yep. So I have to admit that I'm a sucker for crafting mechanics. Oh, yeah. So I always love this sort of thing, mm-hmm. going around finding rare materials and making cool, cool endgame stuff. I like it, too. You know what I don't like doing? Look, I'll enjoy it, but you put too many RNG loops on something, and I'm going to snap. And <laughs> unfortunately, Kingdom Hearts 1 not only has attached RNG loops to gathering all of its materials, Final Mix added a bunch of rare Heartless that give you special items that you need to complete all the stuff in the game. They're puzzle fights, which is hard enough, and I could accept that, but there's also they're all very rare occurrence type enemies. Like yeah. You have to keep repeatedly visiting a zone. And so the we're only going to be talking about these special rare Heartless because they are the only things that are actually interesting to discuss. The rest is just go to a place and grind through them. And that each <laughs> of the rare heartless that Pyramid File Mix is its own little like kids game in many ways. Oh, yeah. At, at least it's not as bad as farming up things like Rathalos rubies in Monster Hunter. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll take your word for it. Now, series I played. I have played a little bit of Monster Hunter World. I gave up about halfway through just because I was kind of like, OK, I think I get it. It And I decided it wasn't for me, even though I picked the most anime weapon in the game, the Insect Glaive. <laughs> what makes it anime? Uh, it is a big double bladed sword, as in you have a handle and you have two of blade on each end. Like Surge's weapons. Yeah, like Surge's weapon, except it's a sh- straight sword rather than sort of like a fishing hook type thing. Uh-huh. 
and then it also has a some kind of jet propulsion thing that lets you do high jumps and jump onto enemies. Oh, wow. You pole vault with it. You pole vault with it. And you also have a gauntlet that shoots an insect that debuffs enemies. It is the most yeah. anime shit in existence. I agree. I think it's kind of cool. Anime levels are remarkably high with that. <laughs> like, and the rest of the weapons in Monster Hunter World was just like, here's a sword and a shield. Here's a great sword. I'm like, but but I want anime shit. Give me anime shit. <laughs> the long sword and the great sword are pretty anime once you start using them correctly. But still, really, yeah. I mean, the long sword is very much you know like the samurai thing, and you have a thing that's you know like rushes forward in the blink of an eye, like similar to an ei jutsu and stuff like that. Okay, that's a bit more anime than I expected. The great sword is very much like you know basically being cloud with the huge sword. Okay. No person could ever wield this like they do in mm-hmm. ports. Yeah, the whole uh, guts berserk blade type thing. Yeah, uh, it was less a sword than it was a large piece of unsharpened iron. But anyway, so we're not going to talk about all the little things you got to grind. We're just going to talk about the rare heartless. And as Jared was alluding to, uh, so heartless will respawn in an area after you've gone through a few doors away from it and come back. So you have at least two doors. Yeah, it's about two doors. And they usually have a few different sequences of spawn in like three, five, three. Or Mm -hmm. it's like it's selecting from a uh, playlist of what you'll face this time around. Right. And the special heartless only appear one special way. Yep. And you will usually know what you're getting into when you find them. We'll be able to discuss with one of them. But I think what they actually do is they have different rooms entirely. And you have a chance of going into one or the other. Seems likely, but I can think of at least one where it's just it's the way the enemies are spawned to alert you. Right. Um, I, I'm just saying, like, they load completely different scripts and the scripts might load a different map. Mm, OK, so anyway, the first Heartless that we're going to talk about here is the Black Ballad. It's basically the culmination of all those colorful bell ringing magic enemies up to now and with the music terms. Yep. It is a little black spell casting Heartless. You can find it in the bamboo thicket in the deep jungle. There's this little rock in the middle of the area that it's going to be hovering over. If you see it, you know there will be no other monsters spawning, which is very good because you don't want to fight anything else while you're having to focus on this fucker. Black Battle is a shell game. Yep. He will split into five. And then you have to watch him fly around and go up and hit the one that was flying around and not touch any of the other ones. And you have to keep on doing this until you have drained its hit points. The only time you can attack it is when it's waiting for you to pick which one is which. A consistent trick for these Heartless is the better you do at their gimmick, the higher the odds you are of getting the, the item you need. So, yep. I don't remember exactly how Black Bill Lab works there, but... I didn't actually realize that all of these were based on some kind of kids' games. They kind of are. That's our, that was, that was our uh, guess here. Yeah, like, <laughs> but in this case, it's the shell game. You have to keep an eye on it and do it over and over again. When you win, if you do it properly, you will get lightning stones. You need five lightning stones to craft everything in the game. So recall, consistently, you usually can't get more than one or two from a perfect run. Correct. So you need to do this at least five times. Three to five, you're super lucky, I bet. But so that's just the first one we thought of there. So this joy will continue. Next up is the Chimera in Halloween Town in the Manor Ruins. Despite having a name for a a combined monster, it's just sort of this weird robot guy. The name is Chimera, but what it looks like is almost like a big gotcha pawn machine that's stomping around. It's got like a big like glass enclosure atop with its head inside. Maybe you could think of like if a Frankenstein is a chimera, maybe this is a chimera. Maybe, but it just seemed like that was like them borrowing a, a more Final Fantasy term for this time around. So I didn't fully realize exactly how it worked. I mostly just beat them up and hope I would get what I want from it. 
But the way you actually are beating it to get items is you have to knock its heads back into it to deal damage to it. Basically, you're playing you're playing a good old game of tennis like you're in a Mario or Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just smacking it back to deal the extra damage so it does, so that you can destroy it properly. Correct. Basically, this one, like, is, looking it up, you have to reflect the heads nine times for a guaranteed Blazing Stone. I found this one that drop, would drop Blazing Stones more often than not, even when I was just going up to it and smacking it a bunch, because you would also hit the heads as it's launching them. You need a ton because you need seven as opposed to five, so I yep. guess that's good. Yeah, though this one was also one of the ones that's more annoying to spawn, but it's also the one that you know you're going to spawn it, because remember what I was saying about the map thing, where it seems like it's loading different maps? There is a Trinity mark in this map. That will that does not do anything uh, once you've already hit the Trinity mark, but it will show up again in the map that the Chimera shows up in. So that's why it seems like it's loading a completely different environment for its script. And I just think that's interesting. Now I'll tell you, the next one here, I only did two of them. This was the one where I said, forget it, I'm done. Yep. Welcome to the Giga Shadow, which you find in the Bizarre Room in Wonderland. Because, you know, Wonderland, the place you already enjoy going to and which the enemies only spawn vaguely different than I ever found. The way the Giga Shadow works is first you'll walk into a room and you'll see a bunch of Heartless appear. Like shadows only, right? Just a bunch of shadows. Little, uh, like, a massive swarm of them. And what you have to do is you have to defeat all of them without getting hit. You have to do it for the original ones too, not just the final? Yes. Jesus, no wonder. And then Um, you face, I think you face like three, like two or three waves of them, but it's still just the shadows. And once you get through those waves, a giant shadow will appear. And now you're flat out playing tag. Yep. You have to defeat all these Heartless and the Giga Shadow without getting hit in order to get Fury Stones. Now, there is a trick to doing this to not have to worry about damage at all. It is called Strike Raid. Strike Raid is your best friend in Kingdom Hearts 1 because it makes you invincible while it's active. Yep. I was never that good at it. Like, it's literally just mash it. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It Like, mash strike raid to victory is how I win almost everything on Proud Mode in Kingdom Hearts 1 at the end of the game. It's just like, I don't know if I was not seeing the clues there, but I would go in there, I'd get waves of shadows and not get Giga Shadows anyways, and that's just kind of when my, my brain just said, I don't need I don't need the ultimate weapon. Yep, you don't need the ultimate weapon. You, I just want the ultimate weapon because I want to have things. I want to have all the things. You enjoy being a completionist, and while I do that, usually I have kind of a, a finite rage level. I'm kind of the same with completionism myself. Kingdom Hearts tickles my completionist urges in a way that other games don't, and because it has that stupid notebook. Jimmy is, Jimmy is a very bad conscience. He's entirely a bad influence for wasting your life grinding. Yep. Jiminy is, is at fault. Not me. It's not my urges. It's my conscience. Next, we're going to the land we hate more than any other. If you've been listening to us carefully, we're going to Monstro. In Monstro's stomach, you find grand ghosts. Grand ghosts drop frost stones when you defeat them. However, these enemies are the only enemies in the game that do the undead that are killed by healing items trick. I wanted to keep the whole kids games joke going, but only hear about these were playing doctor. Mm-hmm. I am ashamed. Yeah, I think it, it's close enough to a kids game. <laughs> oh, no, we are. We ourselves are not being good influences. I mean, I'm not thinking about that sort of thing. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> sure. Whatever. OK, Squall. God damn it. <laughs> so what you have to do is you have to give it healing items. The better the item, the better chances you have of getting frost stones. And the faster you kill it. And the faster you kill it. Well, I think it is so. But the best way to do it is to just give them elixir, just like the magic pots in Final Fantasy. 
Apparently, if you give it Elixir, you might get a second stone. If you give it a Mega Elixir, you will get a second stone and might get a third. So just stock up on Elixirs, go find the stomach, go in and out. This is actually one of the easiest ones to do. Yep. How bad is it spawning alerts? Uh, not that bad, I'd say. It's pretty easy, and I think a few of them spawn. Some of them are clear. Just Giga Shadow, because you couldn't see right away that it spawned. I was never clear on it. That was what really threw me. Like, you know you've got it if you just see a shit ton of shadows coming at you. <laughs> mm. Then once you extricate yourself from Monster's Stomach, a place you probably swore never to go again. Mm-hmm. Next, you're going to Neverland's deck in order to fight Jet Balloons. I hate Jet Balloons. <laughs> jet Balloons are enemies in the same shape of those uh, big fish tanks that you find in Atlantica, right? Yeah. And it's gonna, much like those, they come with the divers pushing them. Mm-hmm. Though in this, this one will fly around a lot faster. And if it hits you, it knocks a bunch of money out of you. And you have to beat him without losing your cash in order to get it. Apparently, if they hit the water, they will vanish. And like, so if you yep. kill them over the water, you lose your item. Yep. So the way you defeat them is you will usually want to use arrow because when it flies at you, it gets damaged itself. And all of its attacks that knock wind out of you get reflected back at it when you have arrow up. So, you know, you're playing dodgeball here, but I think you're cheating. Yeah, cheating at dodgeball is the best way to win it. These ones give you dazzling stones. You get you have to get six to craft everything. So the next thing that we're going to talk about are Neo Shadows. Neo Shadows are special. They're fun because they first appear in Final Mix, and then they start getting attached to just kind of like late game stuff. Like, mm-hmm. not to go too far, I believe the first time you see Neo Shadows are in are in like the little trailer you get at the end of the game if yeah. you complete it, right? Yeah, that's the first we'll place where Neo that. Shadows exactly. are here, of course. I think Neo Shadows are one of the coolest looking Heartless they got. Neo Shadows are awesome. Yeah. I fucking love them. You get, Basically, you found Shadows and you gave them a Dust Stone. Yeah, exactly. What? Shadow is evolving. <laughs> yes. They become taller, basically humanoid, if a little bit skinny. Mm-hmm. They, they, they have full hands there with the long pointed fingers. And their little antenna just turn these long, jagged uh, strips that shoot out from the body. They look like Movie Sonic before the redesign. <laughs> oh, boy. And I think sometimes they have like lightning over their body, but I don't know if that was originally in Final Mix or added later. In any case, you find them at the end of the world in the final rest area, which we just came from. <laughs> Of course, you would find the most dangerous Heartless right near the heart of all worlds. Neo Shadow is sort of a real pain because they do things in like a sequence. And mm-hmm. the best game I came up for it was hide and seek. Basically, they will show up. You have to destroy one. But to destroy that one, you have to destroy like seven others first. <laughs> and, they, and then once you get about halfway through destroying them, a, a portal opens up. They start vanishing into it. Right. And you have to defeat them fast. Otherwise, this whole process will start over and you won't get your stormy stones, which you need to get four of them. It's one of the harder ones to do right. But once you do it, it goes by pretty fast. Unfortunately, this is it's also kind of hard to respond them because you have to go pretty far back. And it keeps going when it's down to two. They start trying to ambush you from behind. Well, right. has one is a distraction. And the last one immediately starts summoning another set of six with them. Yep. You have to defeat it before it summons. So it's just like this is a multi-stage for what's basically a mob type enemy. And that's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at the ones that are coming up next. And the next four are also our last four. And they are the worst ones of the bunch. Oh, Pink Agaricus is my is my bane. I hated that one. I think that's the one that got me to stop. Pink Agaricus is probably the worst of the bunch. Is is, is Deep Jungle the only place that has two? P- Deep Jungle has it, but also Atlantica has it. But the one in Atlantica does not let you do what you need to do in order to get this. So you have to go to Deep Jungle Street. Because it's a gameplay, right? Yeah, because when you're underwater, you don't have access to all the skills you need to actually do this properly. Right. So Pinky Eric is a type of harvest, something we talked about, like the white mushroom and black fungus. 
Mm-hmm. They're basically these little guys in the long, I guess I would call it a robe that has no opening, and their hands are covered, so they have like little pointy hands. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing a bit. They're wearing like a big mushroom hat with like a pair of antenna drawn onto the front and so, they just have sort of a shadow space underneath that so first in order to spawn a pink agaricus at all you have to find an area that has three white mushrooms each of them holding a pose white mushrooms throughout the game they hold poses which tell you what magic you use on them for rewards these ones are holding a pose that tell you to cast stop on them and so you have to go around and cast stop on all three of these once you do the pink agaricus will spawn now, again, once again, I was desperate to keep our little our little theme going. And when they told me what Prince of Characters required, I said, well, you're playing patty cake. Yep. Because you're slapping the shit out of this guy as fast as possible. You need to hit it 70 times in a, in a single combo to have a realistic chance. Like in a, single, in a single span of a stop spell, right? A stop spell increases the length of your combo by stopping your enemy. It's in the single length of a stop, you have to have a 70 plus combo on it. That's not easy. No. The way I do it and the way that I've seen recommended online is you summon Bambi to get rid of Donald and Goofy so that they don't mess up your combo. My understanding is that stopped after the PS3 version, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they literally would attack the enemy and fuck it over, no matter what the AI you put them on. Mm-hmm. Also, Bambi uh, will be prancing around giving you MP balls, which you need in order to keep up this uh, as well. Because you have to use your special sword abilities that cost right. MP, right? You cast Stop on it, you cast Aragon on yourself, you jump towards it, you do a combo, and then you hit it with Ragnarok. And then you spam Ragnarok over and over again and hope it works. Special move. How would you describe it? Uh, Ragnarok is Sora jumps up, does a combo, just like slapping a shit out of a thing in the air, then goes back, shoots an array of lasers out of the tip of the keyblade. Would you describe it as his version of an Omni Slash? Kind of. I would describe it as Ragnarok. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty unique to Sora and it's not as like over the top as a Omni Slash. But it is very much like your most powerful uh, move for a pretty good part of the end of the game. Though, unfortunately, because it doesn't give you as many iframes as Strike Rage, Strike Rage is usually better for actually fighting shit. If you manage to get the seven Serenity power, ironic name. Yeah, that's the other thing is you have to do this seven times. Never gives more than one. Uh, he, he might give more than one if he can get up to like 100. But oh boy. And yet and yet the next few ones are ones I like even less. <laughs> because at least Pink Agaricus does not fight back. Next, we're going to go back and fight something that was basically stolen off a boss in Agrabah. We're fighting the Pot Scorpion. Right. In the same place, the Palace Gates. This one's really obvious itself it's spawned because there's pots everywhere. There's going to be four rows of pots. I, for, I think it's like four pots to a row, something like that. So what you actually have to do to do this right is you have to go up to each pots and push them just like with your body. Okay, and you find, I- the one, you find the one that does not move. Yeah, kind of with the physics system, when you just kind of push against something that is movable, your body kind of slides it. Right. Once you find one that does not do that, you do not touch that one with your keyblade and you break every single other one. And then you hit that one to maximize your chance of getting the mithril stones. I call this old maid. You got to get the you gotta get the special card last. And then you need to fight the fucker. I fought him once by accident. Like I came across him while I was wandering through Agrabah early and I just got my, my shit wrecked by him because I didn't know what to do. This is practically a mini boss in level of difficulty. Um, I would call this the hardest regular Heartless to fight just because you actually have to like be really good with guarding and tech hits in order to knock it on its back so you can do damage to it. I mean, it's just, it'll just rip you up until you manage to block a hit and, and knock yeah. it over, right? And it, and like it also even goes through phases and it has a lot of health. It's, it's practically a mini boss. 
and you have to do this eight fucking times to get all of the mithril stones. Yeah, this is the highest one. This is flat out the highest number you need of any of the items. I don't remember having that much trouble with it, but I was always really good at deflecting and parrying and stuff like that. True, but was it tedious at all, like uh, moving the pots out of the way? Oh, yeah, it was tedious to find it. But once I got it, I didn't find it that bad. I found I find moving the pots around to find it way less annoying than actually fighting it. (laughs) So next we have Sniper Wilds. Uh, This is the one I actually completed, even though it killed me over and over again. (laughs) Sniper Wilds. They are annoying as fuck. Basically, we had before we had the Bouncy Wild, the girl version of the uh, monkey heartless back in in, uh, Deep Jungle. Of course, we're fighting these in Traverse Town. Mm -hmm. This is another one I ran into by accident and got killed by. Yep. (laughs) They are horrible. Yeah, they're bees. They are. They are pink monkeys with slingshots. Are they pink or are they a different color? They're kind of like a deep pink, like getting close to maroon. Okay. And what they do is there's going to be three of them at a time. No, there's one, then there's two, then there's three, based on how you beat them. And then it repeats this cycle. I joke this one is red like green like because the, la- the worst thing you could do is let them see you. Yep, exactly. If they see you, they freak the fuck out and start spamming attacks on you until you die or get out of the area. No, it's even worse than that. They freak the fuck out. You got about two seconds if you can knock them dead there. If you don't, they call for reinforcements and sniper wilds start spawning like crazy and then start spamming you with attack. Yeah, it is. They will wreck your shit if they see you. So do not let them see you. And when there's two or three of them, that means you got to separate them. You're in Traverse Town 2nd District, which is just basically a straight hallway with maybe two small offshoots. They tend to appear right in the middle of the hallway and sometimes go up like to the, the stairs to the higher balcony around. But mm-hmm. Like... Once you get the stealth part of this down, I think they're actually really easy. You have to get that rhythm down first. I only kind of did it through brute forcing several failures. Mm-hmm. And I said, so after that, and then going straight to Giga's Shadow again, done. Mm-hmm. But you only have to do this five times to get the Power Stones. And theoretically, you can get more than one if you start getting the sequence down, because you go through one, two, three, yeah. one, two, three, right? Like, it's it can go pretty fast once you get the sequence down. Whew, but, Yeah. But again, this is just this is one of those ones where you're everything's going great. You make one mistake and you, you better be near an exit or you're dead. And so now let's talk about the one of these that actually spawns with other heartless in the room. This one is probably my least favorite of the bunch. I ran across this once. I thought the game was glitching. Yeah. I was getting damaged and doing, taking no da- nothing was visible. I mean, we're in the Grand Hall in Hollow Bastion in the room where you fight Ansem, the inhabitor of Riku. And once you go back there, heartless are still spawning because it's a new enemy zone. And then the stealth soldier is literally invisible. Yeah, this is the actual invisible heartless, unlike the one named invisible, which is just a sword that is also has a heartless behind it. Well, yeah, they only can make the sword invisible as well, but they can't. Yeah, no, stealth soldier is completely invisible. They look entirely like a soldier. Like There's yeah. really nothing different about them, but they're almost always invisible. And they just seem, as far as I could tell, it was charging across the room and smashing into me. It is over. really fast, really <laughs> strong, and... Until you deal enough damage to it, it is completely invisible. I mean, the game seems to be able to target it, but you have to yes. chase it for the targeting to work. Yeah, you it can be get picked up with the targeting system in the game. I mean, this one, I've joked as we're playing Marco Polo. Like you're calling out, and every time he shots Polo, he's just punching you in the face. Mm. <laughs> Once you've done all this, you have all the items you need to craft every item you can craft. Like the six energy stones this guy gives you. Yeah, six energy stones. You can and all these are to make one item, right? Well, not just well, one through, item. There's through a chain of crafting. And there's a lot of other grinding of other monsters as well. But these are the ones that I cared about talking about because it's actually kind of interesting apart from just because they're special. Yeah, they're special. You have to do special things to fight them. Um, once you can do all this, you will be able to craft everything in the game. Every defensive item, every uh, every weapon available to you, uh, elixirs, all that. 
and the most special Keyblade of all. The ultimate weapon. How would you describe the ultimate weapon? The ultimate weapon is very colorful. Its hilt is a chain leading up to sort of a rod. And there's like these metal flutings that look kind of like a pair of harps for the handguard. Mm-hmm. And then it then it sticks out into a full sword blade covered by netting with a with a heart for its spike. Yeah, it is a really elaborate looking keyblade. It is really cool. It looks like it should break apart every time you hit something with it, let's be honest. I know, mm-hmm. I know video game weapons, but that netting looks fragile as shit. It, and it's like, kind of like the secondary blades. And like, I think that's what makes it look even cooler is it's just like you're swinging around this big weapon that is it's bigger than any keyblade you've had. It looks like it should be paper thin and fragile, but it is super strong. And of course, the fluting, like the, the, the netting is gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the heart is just this bright orange with spikes sticking out of it to make the key section and its blade. Mm-hmm. It, it's got aqua and yellow fading on its uh, on, on the arm and the handguard. It's just very ostentatious. It is the most over designed keyblade, and I love it. I always I understand go for it. Is it always looks really different in each game. Yeah, like they constantly change this like, thing. Yeah, I tend to like over designed stuff in in kind of shonen anime. Honestly, if I'm going to spend all this time uh, fighting a bunch of fucking uh, pot scorpions and all that, I want what I get at the end to look cool at least. So thank you, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, for at least obliging me that. <laughs> now that we've done all that, let's go completely kick the shit out of the Coliseum. Yeah, because now we got the best weapon, best defense, and we haven't been talking about the cups. Throughout the game, various uh, tournament cups will be opening up that you can go and fight. We're not going to talk about like the intri- every single stage of the fights, because most of it's just like, Here's another swarm of heartless. Here's another swarm of heartless. Here's a cute name for large bodies and fat bandits together. We call them, I think, call them like these, the, the size troop or something. Something like that. I forget. I'm way off. But I am not going to look it up. <laughs> nah. They have some cute names. Yeah. The main thing that's different is that some of them are special boss fights. Right. Like I mean, the first cup's the fill cup. I don't think that's anything worth mentioning. I don't even remember what the, what the finale is. Yeah, I don't even think the fill cup is the one that has uh, you fighting Cloud or Leon or... Yuffie at, at the end, right? Mm. I think I think it's the Pegasus Cup that has you fighting Leon and yeah. Yuffie at the end. Yeah. The, the, the second cup is, I want to say, you said it was the Pegasus Cup, right? Yes. Is it, I'm not even going to bother looking up when they unlock. It's not all that interesting. It just happens like, progressively throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And once again, you're fighting a whole bunch of enemies. At one point, you fight Black Fungi, which are a version of White Mushroom. We just smack them once and they disappear if you don't want to mess with them. I think that's Rare Truffle. Black Fungi are different. Black Fungi uh, will turn into stone. And you have to wait for them to not be stoned to actually deal damage to them. Oh, right, 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 right. So at the end of that, you get in a pretty tough fight because you're going to fight at the same time Leon and Yuffie. Now, you can f- you can actually knock Yuffie's shuriken back and hit Leon in the face and stun him, which is yeah. pretty cool. And actually, is probably the only way you can really do that fight. Unless you're just really lucky and you can corner you can corner lock one of them and beat the crap out until they're dead. Mm-hmm. And Leon, he's got some pretty big moves. He's flying around, like hitting sword beams out of the ground with his swipes. So, yeah. And if you focus on him, Yuffie will hit you in the back. Mm-hmm. It's generally Here. better to go for Yuffie first in this fight. Leon kind of goes into the hard mode when he gets stronger. Like he, he charges up his gun blade. Mm-hmm. I love the one thing I read about it, just to put you up, says you strike. You, I said you get strike rate for winning this. So you're going to get your money's worth. Yep. Uh, next is going to be the Hercules Cup. Yeah, which has two specialty fights in it. Mm-hmm. At this point, you're now fighting enemies from Halloween Town and Neverland a lot. For mm-hmm. that. But like when you get to the fourth last fight, you're fighting Cloud again. And this yeah. time the fight's not getting erupted. Mm-hmm. This time you actually have to beat him. 
So basically, so you fight Cloud. The only thing is he's using most of the same moves, but now he's flying around the uh, stage faster and using big, big explosion uh, swings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you but, beat him, you got three more fights to go through. And your final fight is you get to fight Hercules. Throw a barrel at him. Yeah. For some reason, Hercules has the glow that if anyone remembers the movie indicated he was divine and vulnerable. But for some reason, if you throw a barrel at him, it hits him. He loses that for a med. So Greek gods. Interesting, guys. Barrels are anti-divine weaponry. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently Donkey Kong is going to be able to defeat gods really easy. If we didn't have an episode title already lined up for this episode, that would be a perfect episode title for this episode. You realize you just put one winged Kong in my head. Oh, no. The final fight is the Hades Cup. It's a lot different. Up till now, you've been fighting about nine like t- ten, nine fights in a row, like from temp seed to the, the first seed. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you're going to fight 50 fights. Mm-hmm. Now, you do get a saving, I want to say, every 10 floors. Yep. Like if you beat a 10th floor, then if you die, you'll start at, at the 39th seed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to go through. Like, you fight Yuffie halfway through the first set of seeds. She's about the same, but on her own, she's not quite as brutal. Right. At the 40th seed, you fight a new, you fight a new huggable behemoth. Yay, I love these guys. And then, inexplicably, at 30th seed, Cerberus comes back out. Yay, good now, boy. Hercules, Hercules did brag that he kind of worked him down. If we just go by his HP toll, he's probably got a point. Mm-hmm. This Cerberus is not quite as good of a boy as the Hades game Cerberus, though. No, it is not. And fortunately, you don't have to fight that one, which we will talk about next week. And then when you get to the 20th seed, the game really wants to be paying attention. Now you're fighting our combo fight, but it's Leon and Cloud. Oh, no. This, this fight is, is hard. not easy, because both of them are high speed. Well, they're melee fighters. They also can close the cap with you almost instantly, and they will both be charging you at once. So isolating them is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Each one of these is tough on their own. Mm-hmm. It is relatively tough on their own, and together it's actually pretty brutal. Amusingly, although this is the Hades Cup, the next special fight is the 10th seed, and it's Hades. Hades is not the last boss. Apparently, he decides to lowball himself. I don't know. In any case, this is probably the hardest fight in the whole cup. He's sandbagging. That's what's happening. Well, basically, he has his own invincibility, but it's not the glow because he didn't have it. It's when his, his fire will turn red, like much like in the movie, like whenever he got enraged. Mm-hmm. At that point, you can't hurt him. Yeah. And, and like he has a lot of moves where like he will go to the middle of the arena, get enraged and start spinning around shooting fire. So you have to run around that. Yeah. You're being swept around by, mm-hmm. by advancing circular walls. He throws meteors. He just bla- he just suddenly blasts you out of no warning. It is not an easy fight unless you've overleveled by gathering a bunch of materials. Then you get to smack him with the uh, with the ultimate weapon. Mm-hmm. And with all that, although this is amusing, the last few fights of the round don't tell you how many enemies you're facing. So it's just like enemies keep spawning. Mm-hmm. But then after all that, through 50 fights, you have to fight the ultimate challenge. And I'm sorry, I can't continue. <laughs> it's the Rock Titan. Which would be scary if it wasn't for the fact that this is the easiest enemy in the game. This is ridiculous. I don't know if they yeah. made an error with his defense or HP, but he's so slow. You can fly down to him and just start hammering on his leg and get half his health before he gets a move on you. Like, you have to uh, hammer at his legs to knock him over so you can get up and hit him in the head? You almost don't need to. The legs take so much damage, you almost don't need to. I think the legs have separate health car- health bars from the head and the head is actually what you do deal with damage to possibly i said but it stops can really hurt but they're slow as fuck and you have the whole field like you can run up the uh this is one of the fights that you run up the sides i am embarrassed to admit that i actually died to them once on proud mode it felt really bad <laughs> oh boy but as you said like those stomps hit really hard and i think i did not dodge out of the way fast enough i was too busy wailing on the other leg 
Right. So there's two more cups that we that we have right. in the but Coliseum. Bonus boss fights. But they are bonus boss fights, so we'll come back around to them in a bit. So now, basically, you've covered all the main stuff. you got some Jiminy stuff you can fix, like if you're really wanting to get that high score in the uh, Stop Ticker from Destroying His Friend's Livelihood game, or... Right. But basically, what's left is a, a series of about five different special bosses. Four before Final Mix, of course. Mm-hmm. And three of those have answer reports. Which only existed for Final Mix as well, right? Right. So, what, right. first of all, the two that do not have uh, answer reports are Phantom and Ice Titan, as I recall. Right. Well, Ice Titan, I don't remember. Does he give you anything? Uh, I think he gives you a Keyblade. Ice Titan, you fight the same way you fight Rock Titan. He's about as big. He's in the middle of the main arena. And the weird thing about how they animate him is that he doesn't have feet. His legs like stand up, and when they they basically spawn new ice blocks, look like his feet when yeah. when he like steps. You actually cannot get close to his legs. He will just die. He's pretty miserable because he's basically throwing massive amounts of bullets at you, ice shards, and you have to reflect them back. Yeah. I would say he is not that hard, but he takes an extremely long time and is very tedious. As I recall, using things like Aroga, he starts using unblockables yep. to uh, punish you. You have to play fair. Is the Storm Titan even in this game? No. No. Neither is the, the, the Lava Titan. They do not show up until Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, they are in it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, honestly, Ice Titan, you better be good at deflecting, whether it's through striking or, or blocking. You're smacking his stuff back into him. Do you ever hit him any other way, or is it always just hitting him with those? Uh, once you've uh, hit him enough, you can go up and wail, him, wail on his head a bit, I think. But he sends him in patterns. You have to do it just right. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... I would call him the easiest of the endgame bosses, but also the most tedious. I couldn't... I, I tried fighting him in my recent playthrough. I know I beat him as when I was younger, but I couldn't get the hang of it. I just couldn't get back the hang of how to, how to smack him. On the no- subject of... Not hard, but tedious, and also not giving us handsome reports is the Phantom. Uh, you can't. I life is too short to fight Phantom. I feel that <laughs> Phantom is a is a ghost that you find in Neverland, uh, specifically at the Clock Tower of uh, Big Ben. And his design really isn't notable. He yeah. really is just a big cloaked figure. I think like a an emblem comes out when you if you knock him, knock it out of him. In the original release in Japan of Kingdom Hearts one, this was oh. the only optional boss. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Ice Titan and Sephiroth and Kurt Zisa were added to the U.S. release, and then Unknown was added to Final Mix. All right. Well, the thing is with Phantom is he's got yet yeah, a time limit. Mm hmm. The clock, the Big Ben, is t- is counting down rapidly. Like it's it's le- it's uh it's it's basically it's a version of Doom. So, mm-hmm. and once the number drops all the way, like once the clock makes one thing and the number over your head drops, you just die. Yep. So you have to continually cast stop on the clock, and if the clock starts moving again, you have to go fly over and retarget and cast stop. So that's the first thing about the fight. And you better be watching because it doesn't give you any sort of alert other than your number starts going down. You can afford very little of that. There's not much time at all. The other part of the fight is the Phantom will show a colored orb in front of him. It's with his heart, right? Uh, yeah, I think it is. And it's and it's a uh, it's a barrier change. Like it's either weak against physical fire, ice or lightning. And so you have to basically just be going into your menu and picking the right spell to attack it, because if you have a blizzard or fire on your spell bar, you're stupid. <laughs> because especially since you need to have stop, you have to have stop. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, you only have the second level of stop because he gives you the third level of stop for beating him. Mm-hmm. And he changes his heart color with every hit. So you're going to yep. be switching and you get like three or four hits before he puts it away. Yep. And that's the only way you're damaging him. 
Yep, it takes a long time, and it's not very fun. He's shooting a few balls at you. He swipes you a couple times, and it's, the map's kind of big and empty, so if you get a bit too far above or, behind, or below, you may have a hard time seeing him for a bit. Yep. And you gotta stay on Big Ben, because you gotta keep that time stopped. <laughs> okay. I don't want to focus too much on Phantom, because like you said, life is too short to worry about Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because there's not even any interesting story about Phantom. He's just there. He's just there. He's just a ghost in Big Ben. Maybe it'll come back around in Kingdom Hearts 4. Maybe Phantom will be the most important thing in Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. <laughs> Nomura doesn't know. <laughs> Did he return to any other games? No. Phantom huh. uh, Phantom is about as important as Zaldin. <laughs> the next boss also has no story in the game, but his outside game story is kind of cool. It's Kurt Zisa. It's a cool name. It's someone's actual name that won a contest. Yep. Yep. It just happened to be a cool name. And it just yeah. turns out it's just some guy. Yep. It's just a guy named Kurt. Kurt Zisa, I think it's actually his full name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if it wasn't, if his name was like Kurt, uh, I don't know. What what last name do you think would be suitably boring? Kurt Smith. Kurt Bagelface. I mean, that's not a real last name. Apparently it is, according to a comedian I watched. But What? <laughs> What? A guy, yeah, a comedian who's there, I can't remember, is that they found their favorite name in the phone books. This guy who called himself Sephiroth, who he was full of, and the guy's name was Eggly Bagelface, or Bagelton. I love this. So just imagine his name, imagine his name was Steve Smith, and okay. he won the contest. Yeah, you go into the desert, and you see this big, very cool-looking Heartless, probably one of the coolest designs in this game. And it's not named Steve S- Smith, thankfully, it's named Kurt Ziza. It, and it looks like it could be named Kurt Ziza, because... I, I sure, I guess. <laughs> he's a big armored guy. He's kind of got Agrabah coloration in his armor. Yeah. He, he's got a snake head. Mm-hmm. He's got six arms, two of them holding these huge scimitars. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he's got, a loin, he's got a loincloth with a heartless emblem on it. And you have to switch between using physical and magical attacks to fight him. And because, like, the fight has this really cool push and pull to it, this nice flow, um, I would call it the most fun of the optional boss fights. He changes his posture and form slightly for each of the stages, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a lot of phases, and he's, I would say, tough but fair, which is a bit different from the next few. And none of the mechanics are, are instant kill crap, so. Mm-hmm. And for beating him, we get Anselm Report 11. Take it away, Matt. Opening the door to the world's heart causes its walls to crumble. These fragments are seen as shooting stars. This explains why those gummy blocks can f- travel freely to other worlds. I know the catalyst of the collapse the appearance of the heartless. However, it will take time to search out the world's doors and to retrieve each heart. Furthermore, the doors can be locked using a keyblade, making the heart forever unattainable. I must take action before the wielder of this key appears in this world. If the princesses and the keyblade are connected, they should resonate. I have chosen a girl. I don't know if she holds the princess's powers, but I will find out. She may lead me to the key bearer. I shall set her free and observe. Well, that sounds like an evil plan. So I will say that the last line in the Japanese translation that we have right here is, I shall send her off to the ocean of other worlds, hmm. which is an interesting little change. very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the context there makes it pretty clear who he probably sent off. Oh, yeah. Very clear. It was Kyrie. Yeah, it's Kyrie. Mm-hmm. And he got really lucky because he found a princess in center. He mm-hmm. apparently he was guessing. Yep. I'm still agonizing over various things that haven't been introduced in the story yet. Stupid narrative time flow. I just <laughs> love in this dramatic answer report, he says, gummy blocks. Yes. Yes. 
I, I tried to, uh, you know, put a little bit of twang on that to be to kind of show that that Ansem probably thinks it's ridiculous too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily, once you turn to an evil guy, you don't need to use gummy blocks. You can use vague portals. Yep. Yay, vague portals. Pugas portals. We haven't. Dude, that's way ahead. <laughs> we'll talk about Pugas in three weeks. Uh, next step up in terms of difficulty that you can the final extra boss you can face before final mix. Talking about needing some popularity on the scale of Wolverine for your awesome boss. <laughs> this is the Platinum Cup, the Platinum Match. Named for his platinum hair? No. So imagine how hype you are learning that Sephiroth is in this game. And then imagine that hype being deflated when you learn that he's voiced by Lance Bass. Yeah, oh, I no. gotta say, a lot, of the, a lot of the age we were at the time, we probably weren't fans of NSYNC. Nowadays, I'm kind of like, that's an interesting bit of trivia. <laughs> but honestly, he only talks in battle phrases. Like, you go into the Platinum match, everything is dark and twilighted. So and he just appears in front of you and, and kills you. Yeah. Almost certainly. Within your first shot. Yeah. He is full of fast moves. Every single one of them comes with a voice telegraph that you actually need to worry about, fortunately. This one's teaching you his uh, telegraph. At the very least, uh, even when you're maxed out on defense and HP, only like a couple hits are going to kill you. Mm-hmm. This is also the one that introduces his most iconic attack in these Heartless Angel, which drops your HP to one and your MP to zero. So much for that high defense, huh? Mm-hmm. Apparently you can interrupt it. Yeah, you can interrupt it. If you hear him say, uh, descend Heartless Angel, you can get in and attack him really quick and stop him from doing that attack. I do remember back in uh, 2002 when I was first playing this, uh, I did not know about that interrupting. So I was just like, shit, got to bring a bunch of elixirs. Now I know I'm like, I just got to get in there and attack. Offense is the best defense. Elixir is still kind of essential for this fight. This is a really hard fight. And to make it even more horrible, his HP literally goes off the scale. Multi-bar HP at this point has been multiple colors. Like you like you beat one color, you see the second color below it and so on. Mm-hmm. This one for the first, I'd say half his health, that bar is not moving. He, of course, he's got that ridiculous sword length because, Ooh, yeah. of course. Yeah, he has the Masamune and it's very wide reach. Uh, it's very hard to get in. You have to wait for him to be done attacking to even have a chance. There's a bit of story there. In the first phase, he's walking around slowly, swinging wildly at you. As you beat him up, he starts running. So he's starting to take it a little seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think he even uses his own version of Omni Slash uh, towards the final phase. And I think he even starts casting Meteor. No, yeah, you know, he uses Supernova. Mm-hmm. I mean, this version of Supernova is swinging Meteors down at you. It's not the whole... Mm-hmm. Let's watch the world explode. But right. yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's wild dance is this term for his Omni Slash. OK, so it's it is a pretty fun fight, actually, despite being kind of bullshit difficulty at times. I mostly remember I fought him over and over again until I beat him. That's kind of when I was young, how I would win fights with incredible stubbornness and learning. I will have a lot to talk about in the optional bosses for Kingdom Hearts 2 in that regard. Well, I'm still not. I'm still in my playthrough. I'm hoping to put more into it than I did for this playthrough of one. For beating Sephiroth, for some reason, this guy who speaks to the voice of a, a boy band member who has nothing to say and nothing to do with the plot, even though Cloud's in it, he just has an answer report. Yep, answer report number 12. Hit it. The body is gone. The heart should have returned to the heartless. And yet, nothing. This one is unlike any other. Its memories remain, and it is yet to take the form of a heartless. A close eye must be kept on the situation. Much is still unknown. To get to the realm of darkness, one must go through the doors of Kingdom Hearts, the place where the world's hearts connect. Beyond this world is a place in which darkness reigns. Details shall be archived in a separate report. 
There are many worlds in existence, some of which we know nothing about. The world in which we live, the realm of darkness, the realm of light, and the world in between, wherein lies true nirvana. I just love that he's like, um, uh, future details, please look forward to it. Yep. <laughs> yep. For more lore, see, please see lore appendix. 5,000. 5,002.5. <laughs> now, the final boss, I know nothing about. I don't know where, how you how you face him, where you face him, or anything about the fight, because I never tried. He's the final mix only boss, so I never even yep. tried facing my second play. Yep. Uh, so the final optional boss is only referred to as unknown. He is a guy with a you can't see his face because it's completely obscured by darkness. He is wearing a black coat zipped up just like covers everything else. He has black boots. It's kind of like a trench coat. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, even though it's zipped up at the bottom, they separate and kind of just swoop. His big poofy sleeves have black gloves yeah. as well. He is all black with sort of some silver medallion chain thing around his neck. Yep. And the what he uses to fight are fucking dual lightsabers, baby. Oh, yeah. I don't know how to describe him without talking about anything that's coming up, <laughs> to so be I'll honest. Just say, well, just talk. Like, I will say this right now. If you have seen any media from Kingdom Hearts since Kingdom Hearts 1, you don't need me to describe what this coat looks like to you because you fucking know what this coat looks like. An interesting <laughs> bit of trivia I'll say now is that the cloak originally existed as a placeholder. Like, they didn't have a character's appearance made, so they put him in a deep cloak. Mm-hmm. And then I guess we'll, we'll talk about more how it expands from then on. So <laughs> this guy is pretty damn fast. He's I think most people think he's harder than Sephiroth, though. I actually found him pretty easy on my last playthrough. I can't really remember much about his, all of his attacks, to be honest. I will say that some of his attacks, like he teleports, he summons more lightsabers that he flings at you like this is goddamn Fate Stay Night. I would say he's pretty fun. I don't know how else to describe him, really. He's just another optional boss. What I've word is that the difference between Sephiroth is he leaves much less time between attacks. So he yeah. has a much more frenetic fight. But if you're good at blocking him, I guess I would go faster. Yeah, I think Strike Rate is also as good as always here, whereas Strike Rate actually isn't that great against Sephiroth. I think he's also a little bit easier to dodge and deal with his attacks as long as you have decent timing. Though mm-hmm. so I think he does have this one barrier move that you have to get through. I think he does like a, a shots in all directions sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we want to remember this guy because he's going to come back and he's going to be important. Yeah, apparently, like it's so like we've added this guy in. I guess we got to give him a, a role for the next game. I guess we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure now, it out next time. But luckily for this game, he had Ansem Report thirteen. Where does the body go when it separates from the heart? If the soul remains with the body, is it still considered to be deceased? When the heart returns to the heartless. The physical form disappears, but that is merely true in this world. Perhaps the body exists in another form, in another world. If that is the case, then it is possible for one to exist in two worlds. A being that is neither darkness nor light, belonging nowhere, abandoned by its heart, a mere shell of its former self. The relation between the heart and the body is complex. However, I am certain that if yourself exists here, then by definition, the other cannot truly exist. The other, the one which does not exist, shall be dubbed nobody. With that, we've basically done all the extra stuff, all the fun extra things the game offered. And if you were able to complete all those, you're probably set to clean this game up. Yeah, like to be to be honest, like doing all this extra stuff will make you completely overleveled and you will steamroll the final battle. What I generally like to do 
uh, in a lot of these types of games with JRPGs that have a post-game uh, stuff or a you know side content and optional bosses is I like to go for the final boss when I get to it and that- then just go back and after I see the ending and start doing the extra stuff. That's a totally respectable thing to do. I am the kind of person that will take a break and do all the side quests and come back and completely knock the boss over in one hit because I <laughs> that's think what that's I did for fun. Final Fantasy X. I, I was very disappointed. Okay. Let's be let's be clear. Final Fantasy X's final boss is so easy and it's so easy to get uh, a weapon that can break the damage limit. I swear I lost to it. And I mean, you the can't lose to it. It casts auto life I, on you. I don't know how. Maybe I shut off the game then because I thought I was dead. But I swear I have memory it of losing. It has auto life on you. It I, does not let you die. My memories say I did. Look, I can't explain it, but it's deeply in my memories. I lost once and I sulked for half a day before finishing it. I just I just remember that I got to the final boss and I had a limit break saved up for Titus and I got 16x99999, you know, uh, on uh, you know, from Blitzace on it. And it just goes down in one hit. And I'm like, wait, that's it. So I beat you, Yevin. Uh... With a single sword slash from Oron, which did max damage after break damage limit. Because <laughs> it has only 99,999 hit points. Yeah, that, that's what I like. Basically, one hit from Titus would have been OK for me, too. Mm-hmm. But I did the Blitz Ace just, you know, because like, oh, I want to, you know, start this with with a bang. And it did, you know, 16x 99,999. How did you get your strength high enough to do that with Blitz Ace? I never was able to do that. Did you I like thought it complete, was that high? Did you completely break the sphere grid? I think I did. Yeah. Wow. Like you, you kind of need to in order to defeat some of those optional bosses. The optional bosses in Final Fantasy X are so fucking hard. That's still, that's still something I've not gone back and done, especially not the international version. But finally, so now we've beaten all these extra guys. We got the, and then final mix gives us some clues for the next game, assuming you're still on board. Uh, well, we haven't fought the final boss yet, though. Oh, no, because now we've done all the hints. We're going to go back to fight the final boss by going yeah. to the last rest. We go to final rest and we open up the door. The, the door tells us, are you sure you want to go for, beyond here? Yes, we do now. And where do and where does the final door take us? It looks like the Destiny Islands, but it's been really corrupted. That there's, they said, yeah, it's Destiny's Island map, but there's cracks everywhere. Where darkness not flowing out. It's kind of static, but it just seems like the land's been ripped open and darkness is seeping out of it. And you're very limited where you can go. Mm hmm. Yeah, I always think of the the end of the world as basically all of the worlds that were caught up in the darkness being essentially compressed and mixed up and slowly uh, kind of homogenized by pieces being broken out of them and exchanged and all that kind of stuff. And is this where we get some really iconic and some dialogue? Well, first, for some reason, he decides to be Riku again. Is this my island? This world has been connected. What was that? Tied to the darkness, soon to be completely eclipsed. There is so very much to learn. You understand so little. A meaningless effort. One who knows nothing can understand nothing. Take a look at this tiny place. To the heart seeking freedom... This is a prison surrounded by water. And so this boy sought out to escape from his prison. He sought a way to cross over into other worlds, and he opened his heart to darkness. Riku! 
Don't bother. Your voice can no longer reach him where he is. His heart belongs again to darkness. All worlds begin in darkness, and all so end. The heart is no different. Darkness sprouts within it. It grows, consumes it. Such is its nature. In the end, every heart returns to the darkness whence it came. You see, darkness is the heart's true essence. That's not true. The heart may be weak, and sometimes it may even give in. But I've learned that deep down there's a light that never goes out. So, you have come this far, and still you understand nothing. Every light must fade. Every heart return to darkness. And that's where the first part of the final fight begins. Yes, and as a fan of specific anime, I'm going to say, excluding unashamedly, he starts by summoning a stand. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I just want to circle back to one line that he says. The, you've come this far and, you- and still you understand nothing. I love that line. It Well, it encapsulates so much about like what I think of in terms of how fi- how fantasy villains think versus how fantasy heroes think. <laughs> their their view is right, and if you don't come to understand it, that's because you didn't try hard enough. Well, no, it's not only that. Like Ansem is obsessed with lore. He's obsessed with the lore of the world, and he is dedicating his entire time to trying to understand all this all this lore. Sora mm-hmm. is spending all this time trying to understand the people around him. He's trying to understand the characters. Am I trying to say that the what all the stories are trying to tell us is to not worry about lore and instead worry about people? Maybe. Is that how I want to deal with stories? Maybe. <laughs> I feel a balanced approach is a balanced uh, approach is best. You know, you take the characters, you learn them, you accept them, and then maybe you flavor what the world is to understand mm-hmm. them better. Oh yeah, I always prefer that that balanced path. I I, w- I will say I do like lore when it's presented in the form of characters, but I also know my big theory of how characters who care most about lore are the ones that are most dangerous, <laughs> and. This, this scene sort of like encapsulates that entire worldview. I love it. I I have to admit that I am also a the the type that would be a lore fanatic in a world like this. Mm-hmm. The the thing is, I can't exactly disagree with you because I think you're you're act- well. I mean, so like I don't I don't know if I'm like saying don't actually like don't do this, but I'm like it feels like that's what the story is saying right now is. Like, Ansem has caused so much trouble just because he's found an interesting quirk of lore in the world and is trying and, to exploit that. And I would say the key there is he has stopped at nothing to keep trying that. He has not even taken a look at the people who are suffering because of even the people That's he was right. supposed to be right. responsible for. Exactly. Like, it, taking the time to look at characters will uh, probably help you get to that point. And you can still learn cool things about the world. It's fine. You don't have to be an evil jerk. But anyway, I really like this fight because I think it kind of hit the the really a really good balance between Ansem feeling really powerful and yet you being able to, you know, break his guard to counterattack him. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ansem, it's interesting. He's clearly a heartless, like he's painted the Samoa chest there, but he actually takes very little direct action in battle. His shadow behind him kind of rives up into this large... Heartless being kind of like a slower it, version of a dark side or a, or a buff shadow. I would say it looks like a really buff shadow uh, that's kind of bound up. Like there's chains on it. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of looks almost like if, if you had a heartless version of Anima from Final Fantasy X. Yeah, it kind of does. That's, that's, that's a good, good one. Compa- that's a good comparison. What else I mean, can you say about it? It has pretty limited chains there. You only mm-hmm. see like a few across its front and its mouth is covered. 
and its head is covered. And that, it really just looks like a, a roided Neo shadow, which no legs is it's bound to a shadow. Right. And this thing, it, this thing is pretty nasty. Ansem shoots magic, but the shadow has its own, like the, the guardian, as it's called, mm-hmm. has its own tricks. Mm-hmm. Well, first you fight it with, you fight it in this crumbling part of Destiny Islands. And then after that, the suddenly you're, you're off up against another dark side. Like he retreats, mocking you for not knowing what he's going on. And another dark side appears. You Donald Goofy fight that. Doesn't Guardian block most of the attacks against Ansem, except in certain situations too? Not exactly. Its biggest problem is its submit attack, where it possesses someone. But anyways, after you fight a dark side, which come on another dark side, then he pulls his real evil trick. He kicks Donald Goofy out of the fights. Mm-hmm. And now you have to fight him alone. And he has new attacks. Though, if you if you have already done all the side stuff, you probably will burn through them easily anyway, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, guess who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> this fight took me several tries. Oh, wow. I mean, he's basically he does similar to Riku's supercharges, only he has a huge shield over his face. The Guardian is even better. This time, the Guardian, if it possesses you, you're pretty much screwed because you can't do shit. And Donald and Goofy aren't even likely to help. Like they won't even distract the A.I., so hearing that it took you several times to do this makes me extremely glad that Kingdom Hearts learned how to uh, let you skip cutscenes after Final Fantasy X did not. Remember the Unalaska fight? Oh, yeah. Holy crap. I don't remember that one taking too many tries, but it's been a very long time since I played. It took me several tries, and every single time you have to sit through, what, like five minutes of cutscene? So you fight him off, and then I think he finally just gets sick of you just not dying. Does he have more dialogue after this? First, you're pulled into the darkness, and you're with Donald and Goofy again. Behold the endless abyss. Within it lies the heart of all worlds. Kingdom hearts. Look as hard as you are able. You'll not find even the smallest glimmer of light. From those dark depths are all hearts born. Even yours. And you're standing in literally a swirling void, and there's a massive white door on this this, this barren-looking rock. Darkness conquers all worlds. Given up already? Come on, Sora. I thought you were stronger than that. Yep, and this is where the bo- the actual battle starts. Basically, now Ansem decided I need to be more Final Fantasy as a, as a oh, yeah. boss. He be- <laughs> he decides to become a old school Final Fantasy final boss. He looks like an airship made out of bones and meat. Mm-hmm. That's how I describe it, with skulls all over it. I kind of actually think he looks like one of the the second tier of gunmen in Gurren Lagan, except a kind of warped and corrupted version. Oh, the die ships, the yeah, the carry the die, the die, the die guns on the the What eventually becomes the die Gurren? Well, especially the die Gurren with the fact that it's got this huge ship prow and then like a big humanoid figure in back. Yeah, that's pretty close. And a body on top. Yeah, basically, so now we got this big meat thing. It has a huge skull face for our front prow. It's mm-hmm. got like this big clear section in the middle where there's a heart inside. You can't see that clearly. And then attached to big tentacles is like an eight foot tall version of Ansem with no clothes, but no legs either. I believe this thing is called the World of Chaos. Yes. And even yes. and there's a huge version of the Guardian behind him. Mm-hmm. And so and then Donald and Goofy promptly get trapped. Yay. We got to save him. God damn fire. it, guys. And so this is another fight where you're gliding around. Multi-stages. You have to run and destroy certain things, run up, hit Ansem, they enforce another section, like fight the turrets, fight the fronts. Essentially, you have to go through a big, like, magic gauntlet in order to get mm-hmm. to him each time. And then you get, uh, you do something and then you get thrown back and have to run the magic gauntlet again, right? Yeah. Fortunately, he's not very hard. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and also you're slowly saving down the Goofy throughout. Like you go into these completely black voids, you can barely see different heartless there. Like they're almost invisible until they get close to you. So you have to fight, kind of wave and fight, and then you save one of your friends. It's definitely a cool and iconic fight, though. I th- I think it's a it's, it's a pretty really memorable, fun one. I just remember once I got smacked by the sword, the big version holding like he's holding a big version of of uh, Riku's sword, as I recall, mm-hmm. and then it killed me in all one shot because I didn't let my health get low. That was annoying. I kind of <laughs> had a lot of problems with this with the sequence. Yep. And then finally we destroy his the heart inside the ship, and then we yep. fight him one more time up on top, and we beat him again. And I think once we beat him, we finally get to the final moment of this story. Uh, so when you when you defeat him, the world of chaos bursts and explodes, and uh, Ansem is left after all of the end of it. He looks beat up, but he's also relatively intact. He's still floating inside the massive door of Kingdom Hearts. Like it's right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is futile. The Keyblade alone cannot seal the door to darkness. Kingdom Hearts, fill me with the power of darkness. Supreme darkness. The door opens and darkness begins to seep out. You're wrong. I know now, without a doubt, Kingdom Hearts is light. And a blinding light shoots out of the door, covering Ansem. Light? But why? And Ansem is defeated. He disintegrates. Yep, completely blown to shit. Apparently, Sora looked hard enough and found that one glimmer of light in the supposedly infinite darkness. Yep. He knew without a doubt. Sora does a good boy line and the world is saved. But then, <laughs> even though it was filled with light, it's now full of heartless. They're not going to kill everyone, so now we have to shut the door. Yeah, basically, Donald and Goofy show up uh, suddenly and try to start pushing the door. You're all trying to shoot the door. It's not moving. And Donald looks through and there's heartless like shadows swarming towards them. Mm-hmm. And then when Al- and Soros basically seems like he's exhausted. And then from beyond the door, Riku appears. Mm-hmm. Don't give up. Come on, Sora. Together we can do it. OK. It's hopeless. I can't do a Donald voice. No. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I can do it. Goofy, maybe. But and then. Beams of light destroy the heartless soaring towards the door, and a figure appears. Your Majesty! I'm, I'm not even going to try to do Donald. I, I claim Goofy from now on, but okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Your Majesty! Now, Sora, huh? let's close this door for good. Close it, quick! But don't worry, there will always be a door to the light. Sora, you can trust King Mickey. Now, they're coming! Donald, Goofy, thank you. Take care of her. I still can't get over how good of a Mickey you do. <laughs> Jesus. I think my Goofy's not bad, and that Donald almost worked. <laughs> what do you say, 50% Donald? We need, we will, maybe by the end of this project, one of us will be able to do a halfway decent Donald voice. We'll have to keep oh. trying. That just sounds like I'm splittering. That's, I'm get, that's getting there. Anyways, so when, then the door closes, and then Mickey and Sora use their keyblades to fire the fire beams at it and the door vanishes after it closes. Yep. But they had to do it from both sides basically. Also, and I I really do need to harp on this. Where the fuck is Mickey's shirt? <laughs> he's wearing his red shorts with the yellow buttons. Yeah, but he's not wearing a shirt. Why is he not wearing a shirt? Look, all these other characters have shirts. Overall I need to know. Look, Donald doesn't have pants. You gonna go, go come out of him? I really need to know why Mickey doesn't have a shirt at the when end of Kingdom Hearts. When you're king, you don't have to follow the dress code. <laughs> However I'm going to tell you right now, there is a story later on in the game that will explain why Mickey does not have a shirt on at the end of Kingdom Hearts. So once oh, again, no. you understand, but you're not explaining. We will get to that. To, 
<laughs> I was just going to say it's it's because he's the the hero and he has to show up as the buff shirtless hero here to save everyone, save the day, right? Uh, I never want to see Buff Mickey. We didn't get Buff Mickey, and now that image is going to be in my brain. <laughs> Protein. <laughs> the therapist let me. Don't worry, don't worry. Buff Mickey cannot hurt you. He's not real. Uh-huh. Protein. <laughs> <laughs> So, and so um, once the door vanishes, they they sit they stand in like Sora thinks about Riku and, and who has been left behind the door, and Mickey's there too, of course. And then he and then Sora sees Kyrie and runs runs towards her. Mm-hmm. And essentially, uh, Riku and Mickey have essentially been left in the world of darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever the whatever it is behind Kingdom Hearts has lots of heartless, and that's all we're sure about. It looks yeah. like a it looks we like have a big rocky knoll covered in shadows. Yep, there we are being left with a sequel hook right here. <laughs> yep, Sora and Kyrie. Well, they have what you might expect. They have a goodbye because Sora is not going to be pulled back to the island. Like so, they stand together, and then things start appearing like a crack appears between them and pulls them apart. Because we have sealed the door to Kingdom Hearts, all the worlds are becoming separate again, and there's not going to be any darkness to connect them. Wait, what? <laughs> well, their hearts were connected, so they saw each other. Mm-hmm. But remember, Sora was not sure what would... Sora and them were not sure what was going to happen in this, the heartless world, once the heartless were sealed. Mm-hmm. So does this mean that Sora is not part of the world that he started in, Destiny Islands? I just don't anymore? think he's there. He's on the end of the world. The, the the bridges have been burned. Yeah, we can't go back for whatever reason, because we have a sequel that we have to do first. And then Kyrie, as, as Sora is pulled away, and he promises that he'll, he's always with him, that he'll come back. As the theme music swells to a full burst, Destiny Islands comes back to life around her. Yep. We get our final cutscene. We get the credits play. We get to listen to Simple and Clean again as the credits go on for a very long time. It's a pretty long credits. We see Kyrie draw another, like, go back into the secret place. She adds herself offering a star pop-up fruit back to Sora. Mm-hmm. We see other characters. We see Chip and Dale with, with Daisy and Queen Minnie. Yeah, there's a big where are they now feeling to a lot of these scenes. It's kind of what what happens now that you restored the worlds to their proper states. Mm-hmm. And as this all is, so we see all the characters looking happy. And as it winds down on a road in the middle of rolling hills in the middle of nowhere, Donald and Goofy have found new clothes. I like to say that they're in their Windows default background. <laughs> big rolling green hills with a single path there. Yeah, and I'm going to harp on this because Disney it's because of Donald and Goofy are wearing their original outfits. Donald's blue sailor suits, Goofy's green shirt and vest. There's yeah. no explanation for this. Sora's dressed normal, but they are dressed exactly as their old well, they, they their adventure is done. So they went from their military clothes into plain clothes. Uh, uh, Donald did it. No, Donald's wearing his sailor suit. No, I'm saying sailor. Donald did it with magic, just like he changed their bodies with magic. I don't know why Donald needed to change him and Goofy into their real civvies, not just their fantasy civvies. But and by the way, I agree with you here. So when we go, though we see the scene again in the next game as the follow up. When we go back to it, they're back in their their low key magic slash uh, armor clothes. Well, it's because they, they're the adventure starts again. Adventure it's magic. Again. Yeah, I understand it. Just don't ask me to explain it. <laughs> yeah, it it makes emotional sense, not physical sense. You you know that Donald and Goofy have luggage; they just never depicted carrying it. Yeah. Well, I, okay, where the heck do we keep all our keychains and our weapons and our items? We're RPG characters. We have hammer space for that. And his great yep. big pants, they're keychains. Just hook them to the keyblade. I, yeah. I figured you just took one off and put a new one on. Clearly. <laughs> clearly, we're able to put stuff in some random space that we cannot see. Donald and Goofy can have multiple outfits. It's fine. Deal it's with it. Weird. 
No, it's an RPG. And what <laughs> we find is when you basically just drop the heroes off with no one to talk to, they're completely stumped to what to do. Yeah. The yeah, last dialogue like, is, well, now what do we do? That's terrible. We got to find Riku and King Mickey. And they all go. <sighs> and then Pluto shows up. And Pluto, being, uh, you know, the loyal pet of King Mickey, knows exactly what to do to find Mickey. So before that, Goofy had a question like, oh, yeah. But uh, where do we start looking for that there door to the light? And, and they, they all are like, what what do we do? You know, it's all the cartoonish exhaustion. And then Pluto shows up and in his mouth, he's like way away from his mouth. He's got a letter with the with the Mickey's mark on it. Darn it. I was hoping this would be invited to smash. They run to Pluto. It's like, give us that. Pluto just books it off. <laughs> yep. But they're not they're not worried. They seem pretty happy, actually. And there we've reached the end. Unless if you have completed a significant amount of Jiminy's journal uh, based on your difficulty level, it's a lot easier on proud mode, which is another reason why I like doing the harder difficulties in Kingdom Hearts. The most basic special secret movie you can play is another side, another story, which is a very, very, very brief teaser. In a dark city, it's like basically the waters would be with rain falling. A hooded man on top of a skyscraper looks down as another man comes up where it was silver hair with a blindfold. The, the hooded figure has both Oath Keeper and Oblivion. Keyblade symbolizing Kyrie and Riku. And then the silver hair man, really, he, he looks up, removes his blindfold, his hooded man asks, where's Sora? And then we get a bunch of words flashing on screen. The words there saying, like, heartless, nobody, endless. I really like these movies uh, simply because I think they do a good job at getting you hooked on whatever the next big plot event is without spoiling very much. I like them because they're utter bullshit and then they have to work it in anyway. After that scene, we see, after the words, we see a quick shot of a girl on Destiny Island, Saatchi and Meteor. Mm-hmm. And then what we have is another side, another story, Deep Dive. And this one has a really fantastic music piece to go with it. It's almost not worth talking about all the things that happen. The scenes are too fast, but much like before, it has these drifting words appearing in large sections. Utter silence. A fragmented tale. A world without you. The eyes will close. Something so natural. The memory beyond. Something so simple. Number 13. Where's Sora? We must find him. Ansem's other report. A creation born of ignorance. Number 11. Behind the darkness, not equal to the door of light. Number 10. Secret place. His voice. It's left me. This time, I'll fight. Number 9. A world between. It equals a forgotten world. The gathering. Number 8. The third enemy equals nobody. Who is nobody, you ask? They are the non-existent ones. Number 7. Endless. What took you so long, Kyrie? Can we do it against that? Heartless, we have come for you, my liege. You are the source of all heartless. Six, the 13th order. ID, metamorphosis. Sora, Sora, why? Your highness, but why? Five, change, the third key. Number four, the end of the world. What is this place? Is this the answer you've been looking for? This is the world in its true form. Maybe our journey meant nothing after all. Number three, paradise will go together. Two, Kingdom Hearts. I went to see him. He looks just like you. Everything is coming back to me. The true. And throughout this, we're just seeing all sorts of things. Mickey in a dark hood, Sora floating over the ocean with his eyes shut. Scenes there, more hooded figures, much like the, much like unknown. 
a really cool. so amazing. A great shot between the hooded figure and the blindfolded man jumping and falling towards each other in the dark city. Mm-hmm. Uh, they there's this really cool scene where they one is running up the side scraper, the other is running down, and they do a cool little run by each other clash. As I recall, the hooded figure runs up, throws his keyblade, destroying Heartless in front of him. Mm-hmm. The, the blindfolded man is coming down the building, grabs the keyblade, and then they're running right at each other, hacking through Heartless the whole way through. Like this, like this scene is. The most rad thing in existence. I watched it probably like 50 times when I first saw it because like it's anime as hell. And I have to say, this with me so much joy to tell you, Nomura didn't mean a thing by making this scene. Oh, I know. I know. He did not know shit this, about what he this, was doing. This wasn't a trailer with specific plans. This was a proof of concept. This is look what a sequel could be. Here's my dream board. And then Nojima, the writer who called this Wrangler, said, well, then I had to work all that random dialogue into the game and expect what do happens. Yep. This is a pitch for what Kingdom Hearts is going to come after. Maybe we're not going to get any more sequels than we end as we just ended. Or maybe Kingdom Hearts is going to become this Ouroboros that will continue to consume everything media forever and ever. You know what year you're in. You know which happens. Yeah. I wonder what the world that Kingdom Hearts was a failure and Xenosaga was a success is like. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I mean, can you take things being that Gnostic? I can take things being pretty fucking Gnostic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this this is to get you hype. As I recall, Deep Dive was only in Final Mix. Uh, yeah, Deep Dive was only in Final Mix. Um, it, I first saw it just because it came up on the Internet and I, when I was in college. I'm like. Presumably like Europe, like a Europe version uploaded. I th- no, I think it's just the Japanese version that was uploaded. Did it have English words? Uh, yes, it did. it did. Oh, I remember seeing it well, long ago, so I mm-hmm. probably saw that as well. Yeah. But, you know, Hypership, however, we're not there yet. Nope. We got something that's going in between. And believe me, it's it's quite an in between. But I think I need to take a break from Kingdom Hearts before that, y'all. I like I think it's time we talk about something else for a bit before we get back to Kingdom Hearts. Is that okay with you both? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you can go straight to hell. (laughs) Oh, I'll try and get out of there if you send me there many, many times. (laughs) You want to actually say what it is or leave it at that? I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. So next time we'll have what we're calling like one of our little refreshers between the big story. And I hope that you enjoy this little divergence. Looking forward to you all joining us in the mini log. And remember... A good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release.